You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. Um, the podcast is now called We Are Crabby because we don't want to talk about this anymore. And here we are talking about this again. Perry, the Packers are six and eight in control of their own destiny somehow still. I don't want to talk about the playoffs. What no, that's all I had. That's did I like last week was titled What Did I Just Watch? And I feel like I should have saved that title for this week because what did I just watch? 2.0. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Extra special on the soft zone coverage. Um, I want to start off this episode because by now we're recording. It's Monday evening. It's been a little over 24 hours since the Packers lost 34 to 20 to the Baker Mayfield led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that they absolutely should have won. And I think by now, a lot of our listeners have probably done their ad nauseum listening about this loss. So I don't know if we really need to rehash all the things that went wrong in this game, all of the holes, all the many third downs that were given up, or the fact that they let Baker Mayfield have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field, all of the things, right? The poor linebacker play. Just all, just all. I mean, the fact that they only punted once and it was a beautiful, perfect punt. All, just all of the ways in which this defense fell apart. What I would like to start out with, though, is that after the game, when Matt LaFleur was asked about it, he really gave kind of a nondescript answer and said, I need to watch the tape. And so we waited and we waited and we waited because Matt always talks to the media at 3 p.m. Central Time on Mondays after games. And we said, let's see. Now, if you are a longstanding follower of the Green Bay Packers, you know that they don't tend to make rash decisions. They did, however, make a rash coaching change after they lost to a very bad Josh Rosen-led Cardinals team. 
But that it was the last and final time I think they've ever made a really rash coaching, coaching decision. And today is not that day because Matt came to the podium and said, we are at least, and I'm going to caveat this by saying, for now, Joe Barry is just remaining the defensive coordinator through the rest of the season. Now that means he is just defensive coordinator for the next three games. That is a low bar. Like that, that is just Matt saying, we're going to finish out the season. Now he caveated this a lot, a lot by saying today, if I felt like it was a better move to move on, I would do it today. So there is obviously going to be some reevaluation in the offseason. I want to get your thoughts on this decision. I have my thoughts on it, mainly that I'm not surprised. I would have been more surprised if they had just decided to fire Joe Barry now out of all times for a number of reasons, but I want to get your take first. So I have a lot of thoughts, so feel free to chime in, you know, if there's something specific that you want to respond to, but yes, it was expected. You know, I didn't think that they would make a move in season. I think it's also an indictment on the defensive coaching staff that they don't feel that anyone would be capable of stepping in, even in, you know, for three games and filling that role. Like you're playing the Panthers, you're playing the worst team in the league next week. And you didn't think anyone on your coaching staff could step in as DC in an interim capacity. Like there's nobody you want to get a longer look at. And these final three weeks, like playoffs be damned. You know, it's not about that at this point. If we're quote unquote evaluating the entire offense and the players and Jordan Love and all this stuff, like you're not getting a fair shake at it when you're, you have this inability to actually put anything productive on the field on defense either. So that's one thought, right? Is that it was kind of an indictment on the defensive coaching staff as a whole, which is a coaching staff that Matt LaFleur has helped put together. So that's kind of a concern. Like you think there's going to be, if Joe Barry is gone, I think a lot of pieces have to go with him. Otherwise, what's the point? Like it either has to be like a cleaning of the house on that side of the ball, or this is what it is. Because I don't think that this is the ticket. Mm -hmm. My second thought in all of this is I don't know what it does to the locker room. Because mm-hmm. I think there's mixed reviews. And I think people like Joe Barry. And I, you know, he seems like a good guy. It's I don't think it's anything about him as a person or who he is as a coach. But when Matt LaFleur goes up there and starts talking about how it's communication issues and execution issues, to me, it feels like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches. Like, it's not the right fix. And I hope that it's not changing the culture of the guys in the locker room. Because sometimes you want to send a message. And I understand, right? Like we are a week away from Christmas. It's not really a fun time to think about losing your job, firing one of your friends, things of that nature. But there's a a growing concern to me that if you, if you stick with this, that you could end up souring some of the guys in the locker room. And we can talk about that, you know, in a little bit more detail, but it sounds like there's mixed reviews already from the players. And I, I don't know if people were expecting something, but you know, you get some guys that say like, yeah, you know, Joe Barry talked to us and this is on us. We have to fix it. And then you get some players that are like, yeah, no comment. I'm not talking about what we talked about. And I, if you have such a young team in search of players that are leaders, I don't like it. You know, I, I'm not, I never advocate for somebody to lose their job, but I don't like the message that it sends when you have a coaching staff that's getting up there and saying, honestly, the problem really was our guys. Like, 
that's a bad look to me. And I think it's kind of offensive to the players that are being put in bad spots. And if the communication is that bad in week 15 of the season that you're still having these week one issues, then everybody, everybody needs to get their shit figured out because it's been 15 weeks. Yeah. So I have a few things to comment on. One being you made a number of excellent points that I agree with all of them. I, I think to your point on Joe, to me, it's like, what does it like my, I weighed like, what's the point with three weeks, right? If they were a shoe in for the playoffs and you want to like galvanize your guys going into like a stretch run, then I'd be like, okay, I could see it, get someone new in rejuvenate. And I recorded pack a day. If you haven't listened to it yet with Alex Strofe, and he made a really nice point about like what the, you know, the bills fired their offensive coordinator and look at the turnaround that they've had. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's like a, something that you can point to. That's not where the Packers are at. Um, and so you're just kind of like, well, maybe like just keep this where it is. And yes, we don't have anyone internally that we feel like we want to elevate. And to your point, that's a bad sign. And if by in this offseason, we're going to be making a change, I think we need to clean house. I mean, this is like top to bottom. And I think it goes to your second point, which is if you're getting up there and you're saying it's communication issues and it's week 15, That is an indictment, once again, in my eyes, on the coaching. I am, again, if that's your excuse, quote-unquote, on why this defense performed poorly, I am, once again, looking at the coaches and saying, it's week 15, why are your guys not prepared? Yeah. Why are your guys not communicating properly? Like, I, again, am not looking at these players, and sure, like, Some of it is execution. Of course it is. But all of it, I think it's like, it's just clearly a systemic issue. And when you have a pervasive systemic issue, it's not a player issue. It is a leadership coaching problem. So if you're going to go out there and make a change this offseason, it's got to be like full scale change, clean slate like apology again I'm like I hate advocating like you said for people yeah. who lose jobs but like it's got to be everyone because to your point again you don't even want to elevate anyone into an interim role here that is such a bad sign and then to your second point about the locker room not great you know, there's a lot of moving pieces here right now. And, you know, Quay was like, I'm not making a comment. You know, we're going to talk about jaw in a second. Like, there's a lot of guys in there who, and this is like pure speculation on fan part. Like, we are not in the locker room. But I could not imagine, you know, being asked to run a scheme that clearly isn't working that is being picked apart by opposing offenses who are below your caliber in talent level. Communication be damned. It's still not going well. And then you're getting blamed (laughs) by your coaching staff for it going poorly. It's a really bad recipe. 
it's a really bad recipe for um, some bad vibes. And it's, it's almost counter to, we're going to talk about in a second, to an offense that's on a completely opposite trajectory, which is in a really good spot, on the up, cohesive, obviously still working through some things, but starting to gel really nicely. Some guys who are really starting to click with their quarterback. So it's just this really odd juxtaposition from the opposite side of the ball. And you want the whole team. I mean, this is a unit. They need to be compatible with one another. They need to be working together. And again, I'm, this is speculation and like, I'm not going to like put words in the player's mouths, but if I'm a defender, you know, and I'm looking, I'm Kenny Clark or I'm Rashawn Gary, or at least the guys on the front who play their asses off in this game and the front did everything possible, you know, to, to try to stop Baker. And like, I think if the front didn't get home in this game, it was like game over. Um, and I'm saying like, I just, I just played my tail off and I'm trying to like keep this at least close so that my young quarterback can go and try to win games. I'm doing everything possible and it's just not good enough. Like it's just not good enough. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do here. Um, I, as everyone knows who listens to the show, am not a Joe Barry fan and I'm not a fan of the scheme. And I saw a stat again. I want your thoughts on this. I saw a stat all the Vic Fangio um, stemmed defenses right now are bottom of the league in defensive DVOA. They, you know, I, I'll have to find it. I actually, I'll, I sent it to my dad because I knew he'd get a kick out of it. Yeah. So the Dolphins right now are 13th. Um, the Rams are 21st. The Eagles are 22nd. The Panthers are 27th. Chargers 28th. Packers 29th in defensive DVOA. Those are all Fangio-style defenses. And I just feel like, call me crazy, but maybe, just maybe, as NFL offenses evolve, <laughs> they have this defense styles number, and you have to evolve with it. And you have to find a new style of defense to combat what NFL offenses are now putting on tape. And we are now in a place where Green Bay's defensive style is just outdated. And when your bottom of the barrel offenses are picking you apart, it doesn't matter how good your skill players are, you're going to lose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I was, I was curious your thoughts on. I've been thinking about this a lot and it seems Rhett is also thinking about this he's quite a bit. Who has joined <laughs> us. He's also, um, they lost. As he should be. But one of the things that I keep going back to is that there has to also be some type of disconnect when it comes to communication between the front office and the coaching staff, oh, because yes. look at the caliber of players that's that are being awesome. drafted. <laughs> You've got Jair Alexander. Just for fun, I pulled up his scouting report, and I know that he's not playing right now, obviously, so that could be part of it. But one of his key traits from Lance Zerline 
was communicative with teammates, aggressive attacking the catch point. The Packers and Goody specifically are going after press man corners. Carrington Valentine, another example of this. One of his reports said something about struggling with zone. And then you have a defensive coordinator who is being given these physical players and he's going, I don't know, I'll just throw them back there. Like Maggie, I agree. <laughs> I feel like I've been saying this for so long is that I don't understand what the disconnect is, the perfect word, between the decisions on draft day and the coordinator that you're choosing to call the plays. Because again, like you clearly have a back seven that it are built for man coverage, aggressive. And want to play. And when they do get the opportunities, they play well. And yet you're calling this very like zone heavy scheme. And again, like you watch, I don't know how you watch that game. And like you watch the first half of this, this season and you're like, Quay was on fire. He's a tackling machine. You like you get him in the right gaps and he can shoot and all these things. And then you watch this game and you're like, why is Quay being asked to cover Chris, Chris Godwin? Like the, it's the decisions you're putting your players in the wrong places. These it's the decision-making. And again, it's the play calls. So you can communicate improperly all you want, but the calls were still the calls and like, I very rarely feel this way, and this is the first time I'm ever going to say this out loud. I, in this moment, a little bit wish the Packers had an owner. Because, and I, I know that that's like, and I almost, n- I never feel this way. This is like the 0.01% of the time. With your but, stock on the wall behind you. <laughs> yeah. But this is definitely a moment where like, I know that a Jerry Jones or, you know, just someone else would step in and be like, no, we're done here. I've seen enough. Because if you're looking at ownership, you made the joke about my my ownership, my stock on the wall. But like you look at the ownership of this team being the fans, all of us consensus wise feel the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. So I again, like I would love to be in the building and actually really hear how everybody feels because you're not going to go up there as Matt LaFleur and say, hey, guys, don't worry. Joe's fired after the season ends, but we're going to ride it out with him until then. You're never going to say that. But to your point, it's a bad morale for the locker room. It's a bad look all around to the league, to the fans, to your owners. I can't do the backwards thing. Um, To everyone who watches the game. I... I'm curious your your thoughts on this because it was very expected and predictable that Matt LaFleur was going to come out there. And, you know, we've talked about LaFleur being not the biggest rah-rah guy, doesn't really shake things up. I'm curious if your perspective on him as a coach has changed at all, because I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and just understand that he's in a really precarious position right now where there's not, there's not really a right 
answer, I think. As much as we're all clamoring for Joe Barry to leave, if he truly does not feel comfortable with anyone taking over, then that's putting his players in a worse spot. Like, they're yeah. going to go out there and play worse, and the performance is, like, I think it's a rock and a hard place for Lafleur. But the concern then stems from if you have so little trust in Joe Barry and your defensive staff that now we're talking about, I need to devote more time to that room, to be in those conversations, to help on communication. And now your offense that you are developing, they're the they're the young guys. We said all offseason, right? Like the defense was going to have to carry the heavy load. And we're getting to a point now where the vets in the room and the DC that's been there the longest, like Adam Stenovich is a new OC. They're getting their shit figured out. Like the guy that's been around the longest, the the coach that we thought was brought in because Matt LaFleur was young and needed some, you know, been there, done that presence. If you have to go help him out and you are now sacrificing time with your young skill players, like when that's your bread and butter as a head coach, like I don't want to say that I'm turning on the floor, right? I still believe in him. I still think he's a great coach. I'm not advocating for him to be fired, but I think that there comes a point where it's like, you kind of just have to pick a lane and you have to say it with your chest. And unfortunately, I think that he's shown that he doesn't really want to say anything with his chest right now. And again, understanding it's a rock and hard place. I don't think there's a thing he can come out and just stand behind, but yes. it's getting challenging. I don't think there's anything he can do. Um, yeah. I think he's probably making the best decision that he sees at the moment for his team. And I think a rock and a hard place is probably the best way to put it. But I agree with you. Like, I mean, you put it perfectly. I don't think there's a better way to say it. Like you are leaving the side of the ball. That's your bread and butter where your skill set is. You are an offensive minded coach to go assist the guy that you hired to run your defense. Who's been doing it for years, poorly, but years. Yeah. And this is the year where the, focus of this season has always been to be developing your young quarterback and your young offense. That is a bad place to be. I mean, we're going to talk about the next three games towards the end of the show, but we can probably do it now if we want to, but the next three games are crucial developmental time for this offense. Like I mentioned it earlier, but like overshadowed in this Bucks game, was a really nice day for Jordan, a really nice day for Jordan. You know, he had, what was it, uh, like 284 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, an over 100 passer rating. Like, that is a stat line on any Sunday. My quarterback should win that game when he plays that well. His defense let him down. He's getting full Aaron Rodgers treatment. <laughs> Uh, sorry. It really is the second coming, right? Like <laughs> soon for the jokes. Um, and the he's got young playmakers who have been in and out of the lineup because of injury, and Matt has had to scheme all season for that, right? But he's got Kraft and Wicks and Reed who looked great in this game. We finally get Aaron Jones back, and we've got three games left. Three games back with crucial, crucial developmental time, and three games that are winnable for sure. You know, Vikings game obviously being the, you know, the one you have circled as the most difficult, but Panthers upcoming and Bears to close out the season, that is where your focus should be. You should not have to be taking away time from any of your offensive rooms 
during the week, game planning, to have your head coach go walking into the defensive rooms, that is what you hired your defensive coordinator for. It's why you don't have a defensive-minded head coach. You have an offensive-minded head coach for a reason, and Matt is very good at it for a reason. And yeah, maybe he feels comfortable enough with Adam Senevich to leave things up to him. Great. Love to hear that, you know, on the flip side of what we were just talking about. But everything, everything about this season has always been we focus on this offense. We focus on development, developing our quarterback. That is 1A and 1B on the priority list. And there's only three games left in the season to do that. Especially when you're looking at the price tags on paper, this offense costs you like $2. Like they're rookies, they're young. You've got first round investments or heavy price tags on just about every player on defense. Jair's contract extension, Rashawn just got extended. And I like these are players that deserve the money, but Lucas Van Ness, first round pick. Kenny Clark, former first round pick. Rashawn Gary, first round pick. Jair Alexander, first round pick. Darnell Savage, first round pick. Like you just keep going. And Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, like, these are guys, Devondre Campbell got his big contract. Point being, there has been such an investment on the defensive side of the ball, and we've seen it repeatedly. And we joke about it with Aaron Rodgers on draft night, too. Like, there was no way. Like, you could just, you know, sharpie in that the Packers were not going to take a receiver in the first round. Like, you knew it was going to be a player on the defensive side of the ball. And what has that investment gotten them? Yeah. 200 yards in the NFC championship game. Like, like what, what have you accomplished with that investment? And it's unfortunate that we're talking about this again, when everything had been like, well, it's just an evaluation year. We just have to see what we have in these players. Apparently what we were evaluating all along was Joe Barry. (laughs) And if that's the silver lining of this season is that you finally get a scheme that, you know, matches the player personnel that you have, then okay. You know, like, I guess that's your silver lining. But to have the aspirations that this team had just a couple weeks ago when they beat some powerhouses and the Lions and the Chiefs and to be contenders and then to just slide so far down the mountain so quickly, it's embarrassing. Like, it really is. I'm with you. Like, again, it's hard to look at this season and be, like, upset that they're going to miss the playoffs or – Mm-hmm. And they still might not, you know, are upset of where they're at because we had like lower expectations. But to look at this, where this offense is at and look at some of the things that like they've been able to do and think about all like the crucial opportunities that they could potentially be missing out on mm-hmm. because of the defense is really disheartening. That That's kind of where I'm at with this. And it's nerve wracking again to think like, what if they don't make this move in the off season? What if they do decide to just stick with like, why, why are you wasting all of this capital on both sides of the ball, quite frankly, on something that is so obviously not working? Yeah. Like if you, if you need to blow it up, then you have to blow it up and you have to acknowledge that you need to blow it up. And you have to, and if you have to blow it up, you have to do it now. Perpetuate, like perpetually trying to like force the window open is just hurting everybody in that building. You have to do it now. You have to do it now. You just extended two of your best players. You have all the young talent now. Now is when you blow it up. Now is when you start over. Um, Like it's not just rebuild on the offensive side of the ball. It's rebuild all around. 
all of and it I now. think I think if the Packers make the right choices in the offseason, they very much can be contenders, right? Like we're talking about potentially being a DC away from being a very competitive playoff team with a second year of this offense, a second year of Jordan Love as a starter. Like there is so much to like. So I understand the decision to not blow it up because I I believed in Goody in the front office. And I think that they had a fair assessment to say, no, 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 we're closer than people might think we are going into the season. I mean, you and I had them at like 10 and seven, nine and eight, like, still achievable potentially the playoffs were always going to be the icing on the cake as far as you know what this season could be but if they just continue to perpetuate the cycle and it's what we saw at the end of Mike Patton's tenure then you brought in Joe Barry and I was like oh we're doing we're doing the same thing again like this is I've seen this movie before so unless we like put on a different movie like a different genre if we just see like part three of this it's going to be so disheartening and I think that's when you question Malifor. Well, that, that's my thing, too, is that, and that's why I mentioned the Vic Fangio stats earlier, is that you brought in, like, you know that meme where it's like these two pictures are the same thing? <laughs> it's like that's Petten and Barry. You brought in someone who runs the same exact thing as the guy you just fired because you fired him because it wasn't working. It's like, please, dear God, please bring in someone who runs something different. I mean anything it's the same thing over and over it's the same issues from the last guy and I as everyone's lumping in Dom Capers to this and it's a little unfortunate to me because like at least Dom won a Super Bowl Dom was a lead at one point like Dom won a Super Bowl in a time where his defense was a elite (laughs) he had like one of the best defenders to ever do it too at least Mm -hmm. you know to like a future Hall of Famer and you know Clay Matthews and and at a time where the scheme that he was calling was also like at its height. Mm-hmm. We're still calling a Dom Capers scheme like a decade later. It's it's time to move on. We this no longer works. I want and at some- least use fun shit. Like get some NASCAR out there. If you're gonna really start going Dom Capers, then do the fun stuff. Whatever you're trotting out with, so like. The fact that it's like second and 27 and we all sigh like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, as a fan. Like you just it's like bad. And the thing is too is that like we knew some of the weak points on this defense going into the season. And unfortunately, like there was only so much that could be done. But like safety has to get addressed in the offseason. Slot corner has to get addressed in the offseason. And yes, injuries are gonna happen. You have the corners. To lock it down, even with Jaw hurt, even with Stokes hurt, like you had it. You're just not calling it right. The front did, I mentioned it earlier, they did everything they could, everything they could. But if like you cannot ask your defensive front to disrupt on 100% of snaps, you have to expect some level of coverage. Mm -hmm. Like, and if your defense gets a key sack on second down, you have to be able to get a stop on third down. Like you just said it, but third and 18, you shouldn't be converting those. If it's Patrick Mahomes, maybe, but not Baker Mayfield. You know, like it's it's like, what are we doing here? So enough of this, but we'll see what happens over the next three weeks. It is going to be interesting to see how the guys play like what the energy level is what the vibe is um 
I definitely am going to have my eye on that. You mentioned the locker room earlier and like, I definitely am going to have a little bit of an asterisk on that as well. Um, because if nothing else, I hope that they play for Jordan for the offense. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've always talked about Matt LaFleur, even in his first year as a coach, having a player led, player led locker room. And it was easy when you had Aaron Rodgers and Mercedes Lewis, and you had like David Bakhtiari, all these vets that had been around for so long that they could like take control of those moments. And I think that Jordan Love is absolutely that guy. And I think he does a really nice job of leading the offense and taking control. But this is really one of those moments where you find out like what, what this team will cut their teeth on. And hopefully it's like you said, playing for each other, because at the end of the day, it's still your performance out there. There's a lot of Packers that aren't going to be Packers in 2024. Right. So like, how, how do you want to go out of this thing? And I understand that like the playoffs is always your goal, but at some point I think this like, not to go back to, oh, this is an evaluation year because we were so high on they were in control of their own destiny. Somehow they still are if they went out, which I also hate, right? Because now the Vikings and Bears both get the opportunity to play spoiler, which sucks. It's like the Lions last season, but it's just, I think you're going to see like the metal of this team a little bit more than we maybe thought in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Before we wrap, do you have anything to add about the offensive side of ball in this game? I think just that I'm impressed with the the growth of some of these guys. Like, I'm not sure you would look at Jaden Reed or Dontavian Wicks and think that they're rookies. And I think that's what's kind of impressive because at the end of the day, if the defensive coordinator doesn't change, none of this changes. Like, I'm not sure the Packers can be a competitive football team running the defense that they run right now. But there are reasons to still be optimistic. Jaden Reed looks like a really good player. Christian Watson, when he comes back, was finally getting on the same page with Jordan Love. Dontavian Wicks. I said it on Twitter right when it happened. I can't wait to see Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft on the field together. So like, I think there's a ton of reasons to be optimistic about what this team can be because it's still very young, which means you've got three more years of this at least before you start talking about extending players. So lots of reasons to be optimistic about the offense. Just really hoping that we see some change on the defensive side of the ball for everybody's sake, because I don't think it's fair to the players at this point either. Yeah, Definitely. I continue to be impressed with Jordan. Um, I continue to, I mean, again, I think so much is predicated on his footwork and his ability to just set and get the ball out. Um, but every week he makes a play off script that makes my jaw drop. Um, every week he does something that I am like, very few quarterbacks in the league can do that. Um so I feel very good about it. And again, like they're missing so many key players and they continue to figure it out as they go. Um, super fun to see the ascension of Tucker Craft. I think when Musgrave comes back, having the two of them on the field together is going to be really, really fun. I'm sure Matt is like salivating at the <laughs> end, cooking up some things for the two of them, right? Um, and like, it's just a, it's a position group that the Green Bay Packers have has it's been a bit of a weak point for a very long time. So it's just something we haven't seen in a long time. And of course, always amazing to have 33 back. I mean, like you forget, like the run game has been so mid all season, and that's no hate Generous. to like, you know, 
Um, and he's been having like a steadily better season over the course of the year. And then you get 33 back and you're just like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to look like. (laughs) I forgot how great it is to watch Aaron Jones play football, like his burst and his moves and his shiftiness and everything about him. I just miss watching him play football, even though he literally basically only got one drive. Um, <laughs> and like, I want to, I want to caveat this conversation too, by saying like, Jordan Love is not absolved from criticism. Like, of I think sometimes not. people probably watch this show and think we're like a little too high on him. Like he's the second coming of a hall of famer. Like, you know, I don't think that's the case, right? He sh- absolutely should have made that touchdown to Jaden Reed. They got lucky that, you know, Enigbari forced the turnover and they got another crack at it. Like those are things that this offense absolutely needs to clean up. Jordan can put the ball in a better spot, but I think what you like about that is they're easier things to clean up. Like the stuff that is unteachable, the intangibles, you're seeing him shine at more and more. And that's what's exciting is there's absolutely things he needs to clean up in his game. But a lot of that so far seems like it's very easily coachable and give him another off season. Like I think that's all growing pains. Whereas a lot of those fun intangible things, that's where you see the promise and you're like, Oh, this could, this could actually be something. Yeah, I'm perfectly critical of him in the Giants game. Like, he missed oh, yeah. tons of layups. Um, and I think seeing what he's able to do with a full offseason mm-hmm. is going to be really fun. Um, but there's been obvious growth. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely been obvious growth over even just, like, week to week with what he's been able to clean up. Um, he's definitely a quarterback, too, that is a totally different guy from a clean pocket, mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Um, so I think also in the, you know, we're unfortunately nearing the off season and um, focusing on this offensive line, this off season is also going to be something that this team is going to need to going to need to do. Um, I think that's all she wrote. We. That's all she said. <laughs> that's all she said. <laughs> Oh, Maggie. Uh, we'll be back with a Panthers preview. Um, turning the page on this one. I, If you were looking for a full breakdown, apologies. This is just not one I wanted to go back and do a film study on. <laughs> ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, yep, we will be back. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, to the show. You can follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Packs What She Said, um, anywhere you get your podcast. Download, subscribe, like, retweet, all things. And thank you as always. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs> <laughs>